Welcome everyone to another episode of Cup of Nurses episode 111 and we're recording late night here before we start our crazy stretch of six shifts in a row. How you feel about that? Dude, I feel I feel excited just because I did a long stretch of shifts working nights as well. What's the longest shift you ever work on nights? So nights was five days before I flew out to Poland. Five in a row on nights? Yeah. Damn, I think I did, I did seven one time, seven in a row and that was insane. Yeah, and, and so now I think we're going to be able to manage so much better because day shift is easier. Mm. It's easier on the body. You still sleep six hours, but like we always talk about, those six hours are completely different being on the right rhythm. Right, but they sh- Rick and Daisy is super busy. Like nonstop moving around. You're always going somewhere, going for a scan, helping out with some procedure. So it's quite a bit busier than nights. Yeah, I feel like you have a lot more liability, mm. right? Speaking of which, because... We're always managing so much things like doctor, doctors are giving so much more verbal orders that I'm putting in. Sometimes you can miss a lot of things. You're taking patients down to MRIs. When you're taking them down, you better make sure you have all your drips and everything else. Mm. There's a lot more air that things could happen in the you know MRI tube for an hour and a half. And it gets interesting. Yeah, this is exactly why we dedicate this episode to talking about nurse negligence and nurse malpractice. Is because it's not something that you hear every day, but it does happen. And since we're nurses, we should at least take some time to think about this. Exactly, because in a nursing field, you might not think about that you need malpractice insurance, you might be held liable, but literally everything is going to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. You're accountable for anything you input in that damn chart. So it's good to be aware of what could happen. Mm-hmm. When I pulled out some stats, there was analysis with like 60,000 medical professionals uh, of liability cases from 07, 2007, 2016, nurses only indicated for 3% of those 104,000 defendants. Mm. So when it comes to nursing and liability cases, we're on the good spectrum. Right. Because most cases, even though it's severe, nurses only represented 50% of those defendants regardless, regarding like nursing severity. So most practices when it comes to liability and who goes to court when it comes to defending the case, it's more about the organization, aka the hospital, the nursing home, whatever it is, or the physician themselves right. because they're putting the order. So as a nurse, you at least have that cushion where you're taking verbals, you're taking nursing, I'm sorry, you're taking doctor's orders. So at least you have that cushion. If you did something, doctor told me, mm-hmm. and, and you usually chart with everything. If you call with critical labs, you always chart on the MAR, no new orders. You're always covering your ass. And that's just part of the gig of nursing. You just have to go home with a clear conscience. Yeah. Physicians are the ones that you hear doing the, the malpractice because, like Matt said, they're the ones putting the orders in. They're giving the instructions on, on what to do. And nurses are the ones essentially doing these these tasks. That's why it's so important to always chart. Like they, The key thing to always take away is if it's not charted, it's not done. So even, even though you didn't, and something happens, even though you had no control over it happening, and you, you didn't chart that you, you did something, but you did it, they're going to look back at your charting, and you're kind of screwed yourself there. Even if, if you did all the stuff but didn't chart on them, well, guess what? There's really no proof because no one's going to remember five years, five years down the line. And especially if it's like very severe charting, like, for example, restraints, mm-hmm. they hunt you down. So working day shift here in this hospital currently, they have like three reports a day. You better make sure you're charting your restraints Q2s. And I think when CMS was around, they got dinked for it. Mm. And I think they're supposed to be coming within like May 30th in this time frame. Yeah. So they're expecting them to come back in a month. So they're now they're making sure 
every single person in education has restraints. They're charted Q2. Everybody's doing their continuing education. Right. So it's charting is important. It's super important. And that's the one thing that's always interesting where <clears throat> if you're like travel nursing and you go to all these different hospitals, you're going to see what like the JCO and the commission is trying to ding this hospital for. So I imagine this hospital, they're trying to figure out what's the issue with their restraints. Maybe something happened or someone said something or someone made a few phone calls to the hospital regarding their restraints. And now they're really pushing the restraint, make sure everything is charted accordingly. Who knows what happened? And then you go to a different hospital and they're doing a charting for specific reasons, but somewhere else, like the insulin, where you have to dual sign off insulin in certain places. Somebody's required to have a dual sign off of potassium. Like and we shows had in the you, other right, hospital. And it shows you something happened at some point in time where they had to bring forward these new rules and regulations. And that's how policy changes is usually because somebody fucked up somewhere. And even with, even if it was an accident or not, a court, court case happened where somebody got sued over something and they had to implement these things to make it flow pro- more properly, I guess. But you, yeah. but you can't always avoid these kind of issues and mistakes. And it's crazy because nursing is the most trusted profession, mm. yet this stuff goes down. And more and more, we're starting to, I feel like throughout the past like 10 years, two decades, there has been a lot more transparency in the healthcare field. Mm. Before, it was like this disconnect. No one knew anything. HIPAA, it was a complete disconnect. No one knows how things go down. And later on, we're going to talk about how finally, th- during the Cures Act, correct, we have this... Li- um, opening to seeing progress notes and stuff so now i f- i feel like liability is increasing yeah you are a lot more liable now you now you're going to be liable for notes that you write right like that law that they were they passed uh, a little bit ago in 2016 they're going to touch touch base upon a little yes, bit yes uh, uh, let's see what it's mm-hmm. called the 21st century cures act yeah that was interesting so matt actually looked into into a law that was put in place in 2016 uh, by President Obama that made certain parts of the EMR and health, health records and the notes that we do in the hospital more available to the patients. So certain things like console notes, discharge and summary notes, their HMPs, their image narratives, their lab reports, pathology reports, procedure notes, and progress notes, they have technically the ability to look at those notes, which is nice because it makes things more transparent, but like... Some of the stuff doesn't always get properly charted on. So people are going to have to be more more meticulous on how they chart their stuff and whoever looks at charting. Yeah, I agree with you that transparency is an important thing. Mm-hmm. If these notes are happening in real time, meaning you could access a prog- progress note from a nurse to just put it an hour ago, I don't know if that's the best idea. It's not. That was, that's going to increase my anxiety as a mm-hmm. patient if I was in those shoes reading a patient, uh, nurse's progress note Patient standing only 89% had to titrate six liters to nine liters of oxygen, mm-hmm. you know, and then she's charting high flow settings or whatever it is. And if you're a conscious patient, that's going to like increase your anxiety if you have this accessibility, because I'm sure they're only going to make it easier and easier. Now, not a lot of people know how to access their medical records. They think you have to call somewhere online or you have to access it. It's difficult. Imagine once it's becoming available on your just your smartphone it's an app yeah just like with this whole tracking app and everything that's coming out mm-hmm. right away you could see everything lab values like that's if maybe what is if that's the future of communication just more data on you as a being that'll be insane if the patient had live access to your your charting like you're saying all their lab values how much did you chart on their vitals what vitals you charted on them and everything accessible through their phone like an app 
That'll be insane. That I feel like that's where the connect is going to happen. Right. And there's probably going to be some of not to get off off topic here, but there's going to be some kind of AI program designed to find correlations and causations in whatever inputs we put in. And we're eventually going to be able to track like the disease severity and disease onset in like a greater and quicker scale. Kind of, kind of spooky, but kind of interesting at the same time. Yeah, so the Cures Act definitely is going the right direction for transparency. They could see HMP and all that, so we'll see. But going back to nursing negligence, it basically is causing harm to the patient at the end of the day. It could occur with good intentions. That's usually just nurse negligence. Mm. And there's also nursing malpractice, which is when a nurse fails to perform his or her duties. Mm. And you're aware of it. And we're going going to go into the different steps and talk about how to maybe avoid it. And at the end of the day, it's harder to, when you go to court of law, you basically have to prove medical malpractice. Does attorneys, the attorney's goal is going to be pinpoint the medical professional. They didn't keep the patient in their best interest. That's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. You caused harm in that way. You put the patient second. For example, failing the alarm. So you basically have to prove that what happened, the harm that happened to the patient was done in either an accidental or or a way that the nurse intended for this to happen, right? Yes. Yeah, so that would differentiate between yeah, it's kind so of confusing. It really is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's malpractice. Mm-hmm. And usually when it comes to negligence, it's for non-medical professionals. Like a okay. CNA could get charged for negligence. They don't have a professional license. And when it comes to licensure, that's when usually everything's medical malpractice. Okay. But when you break it, break it down, still when it comes to negligence, you breach the duty of care. The duty of care, you know, you were obligated to do something. You didn't do it in time. You put the patient second. You mm-hmm. did the incorrect thing. And this action resulted in harm. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like malpractice, so we're going to go over like examples. Most of these examples of malpractice and nursing is going to be hospital-based. So it's going to be in-house. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about um, out-of-house, like one example I have is, for example, a nursing home patient. Or if you're a nurse that's doing nursing home visits, I'm sorry, a patient shoot. So a nurse that's doing personal visits to like a home, that's what I meant to say. Mm. So you can neglect it by not checking up on that patient, mm. not following up on your notes. Or if you didn't show up on, on that day and you didn't tell a supervisor, a doctor, somebody in the care, mm. something happened to that patient that day, that's malpractice. Mm. You, you, you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't perform your nursing duties. Right. So that'd be malpractice outside yeah. of the hospital. Yeah. I remember when I was in nursing school and, and you were in nursing school with me as well. I know the biggest issues regarding nurses was drug administration. They're trying to crack down on all these issues and errors that were happening with nurses administering pharmaceuticals. Right. That was the biggest main topic. It was always like, make sure, right patient, right time, right dose. You're following all the rights of medi- medication administration because people were not following it and they were administering the wrong, either the wrong medication or the wrong amount. They weren't reading. They were just, you know, there was some kind of a, a break in, in, the, in the chain. Either pharmacy was not labeling it right or a nurse was not looking at it properly or something happened where it caused harm to patients. And it became a national standard to lower medication administration issues so that's why they incorporate all the scanning you have to do in a hospital yeah i think it saves a lot mm-hmm. you also could 
there was an issue that happened on the floor. And there was an RT that was called, and it was a quick med that was supposed to be given, something PRN for agitation. The, the, the nurse scanned it. Uh, no, she gave it first, then scanned it. And then on the MAR, it popped up wrong medication. Damn. She looked, and it was the wrong one. Damn. What I'm saying. And what ended up happening is, I'm not sure if it was supposed to be held or whatever, whatever dosage it was, but it ended up being pressed to the bolused, you know, patients a little bit, you know, had to go on a high flow for a little bit of time. So mm. had to be escalated to PCU for that. Mm. So, yeah, you can, you can have that happen. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, it's also how you use it. So you have right. to be that smart nurse because a scanner could only help you so much. But if you bypass it by printing out the labels or putting it on the side, doing mm -hmm. it afterwards, things like this could happen. Yeah. So when it comes when it comes to the first common malpractice example, it's going to be failing to monitor your patient. So as a nurse, it is your duty to keep track of the patient's vitals, conditions, to inform the attending physician when something is going to happen mm -hmm. or changes. And if you don't do that and that results in harm based on those three things, missing vital sign changes, failure to respond to your patient, or not letting a doctor know when it's necessary – you're going to be dinged for that kind of malpractice. Mm -hmm. That's an easy, e easy issue. Mm -hmm. If the patient's hypotensive, go follow up. Make sure you go actually and do something about it. Don't just neglect it. Right. I, I even got called out once in like med surge because it was like a low BP, and this I told the CNA not to chart it to recheck it, but she charted the old one, and I went home the next day. But and they still called me about it and asked me like, why didn't you do anything about this low BP? I did, but it was it was a different measure, measurement, mm. and they still were asking questions like it should have been documented that this was the yeah, error and things like. And they followed the, followed up with me. Yeah, interesting. So you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to be careful sometimes. And in the ICU, we kind of yeah. like, yeah, I, I was an ICU nurse and I was in med surgeon. They knew me. They thought I was kind of like troubleshooting things myself. Really? They, they did. They did. They thought that I was like a nurse practi practicing medicine or mm. something. Interesting, trying to give yourself more timing than there is exactly. on the unit. Exactly. Interesting. But but I really didn't. It just didn't show, unfortunately, the the chart. And just like mm -hmm. you said, if it wasn't charted, it wasn't done. Yeah. And that's what that you know scenario was. So that we had to like fix it and all that. Right. Yeah. That goes into like the next uh, most common malpractice um, issues going on in court is just the charting issue. Once again, like we said in the beginning of the episode, if it's not charted, it's not done. So. No one's going to remember what you did years ago. You're not going to remember no, remember what you did years ago. You're not going to remember the patient. So the only proof that something occurred or something that did not occur is a charting. And that goes, like what Matt said, they called them up and said, hey, why don't you at least chart something? You know, why don't you leave like a note? It looks like you, did, you didn't do anything about it, right? Yeah. But you, but you did. You troubleshooted it yourself. You know, you figured out the situation. And, you know, you did whatever was appropriate. You intervened. And just because it wasn't there, it's like nothing happened, right? Yeah, and, that, and that's what they care about. Mm -hmm. Just make sure it's documented. And, you know, when it comes to liability, sometimes these cases take a couple of years. It might be in, in five years getting called regarding this patient, and they'll bring up the probably medical record to you. are like, mm -hmm. you're not going to remember this case. Right. All you're going to remember is what you put into that chart. Mm -hmm. It also goes with double charting. I don't know if you brought it up on a prior episode, but with the blood sugars, don't or you shouldn't double chart uh, regardless. Right. If you scan the patient, you know, and you did their blood sugar and it popped up as, as one sixty five. Yeah. Leave it in the in the system as one sixty five because it should transfer automatically. Don't put one sixty five in the 
slot where it tells you the blood sugar when you administer insulin, right? Because you, you got to click accept and avoid that. Right, exactly. Just 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 be safe, if you're, especially if you're not sure. If you're not sure, if you don't remember what it was, don't chart anything there if you don't remember what it was. Let the glucometer just carry over and leave it at that. Yeah, I, I used to get precepted by this older nurse, and I still remember, shout out to Nancy. Mm -hmm. And she always, like, taught me, like, yeah, you're double charting. There's no need for that. If you mess up, you, that you could be held, you know, accountable. I feel like Nurse Nancy is a common... A uh, nurse that always gives you good advice. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to them. Definitely out of Karen, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and like, yes, I learned so much about that because most of medical records, if you look at it, it's just double charting. Mm. Everything's double charted. Your eyes and nose go there. You can do double assessments there. Keep it simple. Even progress notes. One thing I don't agree with is I don't think there's a need for like nurses to make progress notes. Mm -hmm. At least when it comes to the ICU. So I'm going to speak from my experience. You're not going to look in a lot of those notes. If you look at the an intensivist notes or someone like a doctor, you get everything you need. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes a nursing notes talking about what happened like six hours goes for a procedure or was vomiting and she gave Zofran. Like I understand, but I don't. That's not going to do anything right now. Eight hours, future tense. Mm -hmm. And so now with this, with this cures, uh, Century Cures Act. Now patients have access to it. For example, when it was like COVID was the Wild West, I didn't really write much progress notes sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because as long as you have the intensivist progress note, you have everything that you need there right. to do your care. Yes, that's like the beauty of it. Like I personally don't do progress notes. The only time I really do a progress note is if I can't figure out where to charge something and I don't have time to ask somebody to help me out because I'm just busy. So I leave a progress note for that. Like if I can't figure out where to chart, let's say a thoracentesis, I would pop in a progress note. But I'm not gonna, you know, if I know where to chart it, I'm not gonna chart it and then the progress note about it. Yeah, or like if you already informed somebody about your critical value mm -hmm. and you put it in the flow sheet, there's no need to make another progress note about right. it or that something was ordered. Mm -hmm. Everything's already in the system. There's you're just like you're kind of giving yourself extra steps to slip on something. Mm -hmm. That's why I like the continuum of care of having the same patients in like three days in a row, two days in a row, because I feel like that provides better care. It really know, does. Yeah, I know sometimes that sets up a nurse for having a hard shift three days in a row or three nights in a row. But I think that is more beneficial to patients, to be honest. Because, you know, sometimes stuff gets forgotten about, not charted on properly or just, you know, misplaced or whatever. And, you know, you, you lose that, that history compared to when you had that patient for three days in a row. You know exactly what's going on. I That's always clutch. So, you know, so we kind of summarize right now the documentation mistakes. Mm. So as a nurse, it is your nursing responsibility to accurately document your conditions, vitals, medication, dosages, reactions, progress, all that. Like, make sure you get that done. If you don't do it properly in a timely manner, you might get dinged for it. Mm. When it comes to restraints, you may get called upon it. Just, just take care of it. And if you work at, like, crazier facilities like Kaiser, I told you plenty of stories. Yeah, it's how, wild. You know, like, great example. I was having a withdrawal patient... And the scale was like, this. the CWA was higher, and I gave too little Ativan mm -hmm. than, than the CWA. I, I, I'm using my nursing judgment. I don't want to give three milligrams. I just gave two. And they're like, why didn't you give the third one? Really? <laughs> yes, based on the CWA. So I had to go back into the chart and make sure my, my CWA aligned with the dose that I gave. Because you gave less? That's so weird. Yeah. So you don't have much autonomy. You don't have as much autonomy. It's like protocol. But actually. also, they make a very good point because mm -hmm. if I'm giving this much Ativan for CWA scale, I should 
technically rate the patient less to make sure my charting aligns with the dosage that I gave. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of screwing myself over, you know. Right. I don't want to give too much because I don't want to oversedate the patient. I don't mm. want to make them get intubated. But also now I'm creating a trip up in my charting, right. which could cause issues in the future. You know, is it interesting? So, uh, yeah, and that's what's the crazy part of nursing is, like we talked about on the podcast with like Tori, is you go into nursing for these good intentions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this this is not the uh, the funnest episode right now. We're talking about malpractices and just the shitty part of nursing. Because you go in there with such good intentions to provide care and you want to just help people. And that's just not what the medical field is sometimes no it's just like we're programmed to do certain tasks and just do them and move on like almost like sometimes i feel like almost like a robot at work not regarding the patient care always but just with the charting with the how meticulous everything has to be how how like the charting has to be in this specific place it's just it's just weird man it's just it's rough. Yeah, it becomes very robotic. It's mm-hmm. like also charting, like when when you turn a patient left position, right position. Sometimes you're just like thinking in like outside of the room. Is it the left side or is it the left side? Right. I don't know. Sometimes my charting it doesn't align with that because mm-hmm. it just gets so. It's just a burden. Right. It's, it's a burden. The charting is burden. Mm-hmm. And the third um, error that you could provide malpractices and is in medication. So of course, going through the five administration rights. Mm-hmm. When you're administering a medication, make sure it's the right patient, drug, dosage, route, and time. And I gave an example of pre- the Presidex issue. That could be with a lot of things. Just make sure you're doing everything properly. Some pa- some medications will have parameters. Make sure you're biting to that. Make sure you're holding your medication if there's that issue. Mm-hmm. There's like a common fix that, that you could adapt that could easily you know, prevent a lot of these issues. It's just simply look the medication right before you give it. Because a lot of times we assume someone gave us the right medication. You're in a rush and you know you can take a look at it. You should take a look at it. But sometimes you just don't take a look at it. And that time that you decide not to look at it, that one out of a million or one out of a thousand or whatever number, it might, it might hurt you. And it's going to suck because you're like, I've been doing this the whole time. And the one time I don't do it, break my habit, it happens to me. Exactly. And it could be also different situations where you have to like think critically. Mm-hmm. Giving heparin, for example. If the platelets are under 150... You're still giving heparin and something could happen to that patient. Let's just say that patient just decided to fall on the floor and had a brain bleed. You go back to the files. Why was heparin given that morning? Mm-hmm. Platelets are under 150. That could, that could be underneath the nurse. Yeah. Okay. That, that is your duty to perform to hold that heparin. Right. But your good intention is to give it because, you know, what's the, which one's the, the safer alternative? You know, you're based on, hey, he has, he's no signs of, of any kind of falling you know, but he's really prone to clotting. We're probably better off giving his heparin than him falling. But it just hap- happened to be that that day he fell. Yeah, nursing is stressful. Mm-hmm. And thinking about liabilities and things like managing heparin drips. And you have to remember the PTT. Sometimes you don't call. You tell a patient something or a nurse verbally something. They might just forget. It. You might just forget. Things might get missed. It's mm-hmm. like, ouch. Yeah. Or, you know, like little things like in a tube station. What if you told that nurse, hey, that's the code. Or sign something and then like something's missing and then yeah. all of a sudden you're just getting fingers pointed at you. Right. Like in our hospital right now with the whole fentanyl mm-hmm. issue, you have to make sure you have to write the proper bag in this issue. Make sure it's bag number three. You're wasting 10 cc in bag number three. You have to clear the pumps every single tw- you know shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very strict when it comes to this. Right. Yeah. Charting can be, can be iffy in a lot of places. But what I was curious that yeah, it was... Like we don't hear this, hear too much about this. It's like malpractice insurance for nurses. 
I personally have never thought about about getting it. And I was, you know, you look at the price and stuff. It's like $100 to $200 annually. And it covers you with like $500,000 or a million or, or, in, or $2 million, depending. Obviously, the more you want coverage, the more you got to pay. But I don't think it's necessarily worth it or, or even needed because I feel like we're covered by the hospital. Right? I agree with you. People like CRNAs that mm-hmm. work in like ORs, doctors, things like that, more risky procedures where you have a lot more autonomy, I find it potentially a good reason to get. I know CRNAs yeah. that I've asked. Remember, Bolt, I'm pretty sure he has malpractice insurance. Oh, for sure. When it comes to us, we do we do have a lot of autonomy. Mostly we're practicing underneath the doctor's orders. So we're, we're, we're safe. Mm. And if there are scenarios that are unsafe, you figure out the best way to approach it. You use the chain of command. And when, when, you, when it comes to like working your 12-hour shift, just keep this in mind. Just cover your ass. Right. Just tell yourself, hey, Matt, today, whatever I'm doing, am I going to cover my ass? Is this a good choice? What are the repercussions? Mm. Every single choice that you make in nursing or the action that you take, you should think of that. What is this action going to happen? Right. If I turn down my pressers by a mic, the map is borderline and something could happen and I go on lunch or go to the bathroom, can, can there something could happen? Can I prevent this? Mm-hmm. Should I maybe not titrate this second, come back from break, she could miss it. Maybe that nurse that's covering, you know what I mean? Right. So think about consciously the choices you're making from your day-to-day, hour-by-hour nursing practice so you don't get into hiccups where mm-hmm. you could jeopardize your license at the end of the day. Right. Don't put yourself into like sticky situations. You know it has to be done and actually pull through and do it. Don't delay things that could be solved very quickly because a lot of those things that can be solved quickly digress to urgent matters at a later date, right? So a lot of times it's something that could be fixed really easily and real quickly, like a phone call to a doctor. By not delaying that, you're able to treat it quicker and not make it a problem later on. Because sometimes patients do tear quickly, so just use your better knowledge and actually follow through and, and know what you're doing. Yeah, and we sound like a bunch of professionals on the show. Like we know, we know like the business, mm-hmm. like shit goes on in nursing. Things sometimes don't go according to plan. And that's just part of nursing. You just do your best. Yeah. Use your better judgment and ask, ask if you don't know. Yes. And don't be afraid to call a doctor because sometimes you know, people are afraid to call doctors. Just take care of business. And if you do all that, I don't think it's necessary to have malpractice insurance. Mm-hmm. I think you're completely able to do your own thing. And even after this research I looked up with over 60,000 medical professional liability cases, your chances are only 3% of even making it, if that even were to happen. Mm -hmm. Luck is on our side. Yeah, good to know. Thank you guys for hanging out with us on this awesome episode about negligence and laws regarding malpractice for nurses and physicians and medical professionals. A little kind of dry, but I was chill. It was good information. It was really good to to look into, though. Not gonna lie. You wanna do a five minute after show for fun? We wrap this one up. We can. How is life, man? I've been chilling, man. I've been hanging out. I've been literally doing, we've literally been doing the same thing for the past like four days. We've been busy, you know? And, you know, speaking of the movement that we're launching and everything, mm-hmm. we are frontlinewarriors.com. You guys should definitely tune into that. And that's been our main tackle. We've been recording to keep up with this. Peter's flying out into Chicago. So we're just staying busy recording, trying to get the. Five pillars nailed. We're, mm-hmm. we're having fun. We're, we're staying busy. We're working, and we're excited to take some some trips this summer. Yeah, it's cool because like we built a couple of nurses, and now we're trying to build frontline warriors. And it's just interesting how you have to create the website, have to figure out 
what goes into each section, what are we going to highlight in each section, how are we going to do this, how are we going to bring in more value, how are we going to do these things. And it's just awesome to look at from where you started and how you're slowly progressing. Yeah, you, and then, you, then it's cool because you get like the visual component of it with the content that we, that we put out and you know we see ourselves and all the stuff we put into the website. And then you take a look at how, hey, at one point this was just on a piece of paper. Now it's literally out there in the world. You just manif- you're manifesting it, but also you're putting time and energy into it. And that's mm-hmm. what it takes at the end of the day. You need to, you need to believe it, but also you need to take action. Like your entitled mind, like we always say, is dead weight. Just mm-hmm. get after it. And it's also awesome evaluating like the eight months that you've been here in California traveling or saying, looking back, look where you are now, look what we're doing. And it's cool to the levels that you could build. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps on getting better. Right. And it's, if you think about it, it's not really hard to start. It just takes a lot of time. It consumes a lot of time, but it's not, everything that we're doing is not really hard. Come, yeah. It's just fun to do and it's interesting. It just takes a lot of time and effort. I was, and uh, let's not forget the financial parts. You have oh, to be yeah, willing to invest into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And when you're building things like this, entrepreneur or not, or whatever you're chasing, you might not see a return right away. It takes time. You might be in the, the negatives forever. Right. But just like seeing this grow, just super interesting. It was like watching a kid grow up, you know, but it's like a business, like a, like a thing. And I'm sure people are watching us too. It's like they've watched us grow up from, I don't know how far you can look at these episodes. Like look at episode zero, zero about us. Yeah. We're, tr- we're trying to tell people what this podcast is about two years ago. And people are still clicking on it on YouTube. It's like a top watched video. And we look so different. And, yeah, we look so different. And the podcast like is taking a different realm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it needs up- an update. Yeah, there's like a couple episodes that got like traction for like some random reason. Like our, we have an episode regarding abortion, aspirin, and CRISPR. And that's like one of our most top top viewed episodes. But the people are coming on there for some weird things, asking some weird questions. Yeah, I, that, I was, that was weird. And it just shows you how the internet works. Like somehow that's you got traction in that certain way. And that's how it just happens to be. Yeah, pe- people are looking up this episode because there's aspirin. And abortion as those key words that they look up. So they're trying to, I hope they're not, I feel like their intention is trying to figure out how to abort a baby, literally. Mm-hmm. It's messed up. In the video, we don't talk about that. We just talk about those two topics, ironically, mm-hmm. three th- three topics, but they pin- pinpoint just those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they think two nurses are going to give you some advice on how to do that. Crazy right. Is that crazy? That first, man. That's so crazy. Wow. People are wild, man. So imagine what goes on in the world. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes mm. on in the world. We just try to stay, try uh, to stay mindful. Yeah, exactly. People that are probably listening to this, like, oh, yeah, guys, where's all the news and all the hardcore information you guys are, like, talking about? Mm. We're, ta- we're taking a step back. We're taking a mindful break from that crazy side of the world. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll end it at that. Thank you guys for keeping up with us, and see you in a couple of days. Peace out.